The good guys win. The police are on your side. God is watching you. Your standard of living will never decline. And everything is going to be just fine. Everything's going to be just fine, Ray. President Trump has it all under control. Actually, that's not true. I would like to make an announcement before we start the show that Independent Ray, Cigar Ray, podcast ray the ray you know and love is dying because it turns out my kids are going to be here for a lot longer than i thought and it's it's killing me a ray divided against itself cannot stand Uh, i'm dying here i mean i love them i love them yeah i love them but do do you know (laughs) In, in 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 your own way. My my love for my 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 love for my family is like <sighs> hitting a little bit of marijuana in small doses. It's fine. All at once, it's killing me. So speaking I have to of, hide that. Speaking of which, I mean, mm-hmm. I've been thinking mm-hmm. about this recently. But by the way, this is bullshit filler episode sixty four, recorded the twenty fourth of March, twenty twenty. Uh, you know, I've been thinking this, if, if there's ever been a time for all of our governments just to fully legalize and endorse marijuana and in fact, to be sending out free baggies yeah. to the population, right. now is the time. Listen, you're locked you in your houses stay for home? three to yeah. six months. Yeah. Just get yeah. high. Don't worry about it. It'll all be over. I could, I could smoke something, listen to Trump or one of the other Republicans go, you know what? It's not that bad. I'm going to fucking leave the house and I'm going to go out and I'm going to mingle with people, but I'm so fucking high. I can't work the doorknob. Mm. That's what you need. You need people baked out of their mind, just chilling at home. They'd be watching Trump and giggling instead of (laughs) crying. God, I need that. Anyway, in all seriousness, uh, um, I know it's been a while since we've done a bullshit filter and I've had a few people call me and email me and say, what's happening with the bullshit filter? And it's, it's right. hasn't been deliberate. Uh, I've been traveling all over with the film and, and that kind of stuff for a few weeks. So my life's been crazy. And we did yeah. record a bullshit filter last week, but uh, I wasn't happy with the yeah. level of work I'd put into it. I mean, never happy. It wasn't my fault the, this time. Well, I right. mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I have never happy with the level of work Ray puts into anything. So right. it was all me. But that's this consistent. Time. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because I just come back from Sydney and I thought I could wing it. And after, afterwards, I, I shouldn't have tried to wing that. Uh, this is too important. So, um, so now we're doing it now. We're re-recording it because, uh, you know, quality is our middle name. Ray Quality Harris. <laughs> oh. Now my wife's decided to print something she else back? out on the printer. You know, <laughs> don't worry about the fact. Doesn't that she know you're the man and the man is working? Your name is Ray Quality Harris, and everything matters oh. to you. Quality. She's just, you know, I okay. just start printing stuff in the middle of Cameron's show. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, while you're waiting for that to spit out, I just want to give the latest. Um, in the United States, there have been 42,909 confirmed cases. There have been 583 deaths. 178 people have recovered. Globally, as far as we can tell, and obviously this is not a perfect number, 374,725 confirmed cases, 16,350 deaths, 101,523 people have recovered. And it's eerie to go to, because there's a website you can go to if you just look up, do search on um, latest COVID-19 stats or anything like that. You can literally watch the numbers just grow and update. And it's really freaky just to sit there for five minutes and just to watch those go up. And so, yeah, just that just watching that increases is, was just freaking me out. I had to I had to get away and hit the blunt. Uh, that was just way too much for me. It was too real. It was making it too real. Yeah, the main source for me is the John Hopkins uh, Coronavirus mm-hmm. Resource Center. They have a pretty map, lots of big figures. Uh, easy for me to read without putting my glasses on. Uh, well, listen, this is the coronavirus show. There's obviously lots of information, disinformation, misinformation going around. Some of it deliberately spread, uh, perhaps by, uh, our friends in Russia, uh, to just make, make stuff more interesting. And uh, some of it, uh, uh, not deliberately spread, just spread by idiots, the same people who, talk about homeopathy as the cure for coronavirus and uh, see this is what happens to people who take vaccine. I don't know. But people yeah. are scared. And, you know, I, one of the thoughts in my head over the last couple of weeks is, like, are we just going to be adding more noise to this if we do a show? What value can we add? Uh, and, and I'm not convinced that, you know, we're, we're going to be helping and not causing more fucking problems just by talking about stuff. But... Obviously, like everyone, I've been trying to get my head around uh, not only what's going on, but uh, what happens after this. This is that's mm. sort of been one of the things I've been thinking about because this is definitely it would appear at this stage to be a, a an inflection point in the twenty right. first uh, century. I don't I don't think the world's going to be the same. A bit like nine eleven was an inflection point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world was never the same. Uh, I, I, I think this this could be the same thing. You know, but the first thing I want to talk about is philosophy, right? I think that's right. more than ever. Philosophy is important. Uh, I hear a lot about people suffering from anxiety and stress, mm. uh, either as a result of fear about them or their their friends and their loved ones dying from the disease right or just from what's what's happening to the economy uh, which is, is god yes the biggest crash probably according to my good friend tony coniston who I, I look to for these sorts of things the biggest mm-hmm. crash since 1929 this is going to wipe out the, the world's economy like the great depression did um how long it lasts, uh, how deep it goes, depends on a variety of factors. Obviously, how how quickly we pull out of this, how quickly we develop right. vaccines or or, or, or um, medication to ease the process of people who get sick and reduce the fatality rate. But uh, it's definitely going to be made. So people are people are stressed now. 
as you know, and listeners to the, the Three Illusions show that we've done, no, just people that have listened to me waffle on over the years know, uh, you know, I have a philosophy. It's mm-hmm. worked, worked for me for 30-odd years now. It's based on hard science to the best of my ability as a, as a lay person to understand it, but I, you know, I, I confirms with everything I've read in my, my physics books. And also it's, right. it's based on, you know, I first got it from um, Bob, Sailor Bob, who's still alive. I visited Sailor Bob in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. He's 92, I think, 92. Wow, good for him. Yeah, uh, just had to shut down his meetings, but he's doing them uh, over YouTube. If anyone wants to right. watch Sailor Bob, he's doing it himself with his new uh, girlfriend. Um uh, and that's you know the, the, that all of this is an illusion. None of none of right. what you see around you, including yourself, has any tangible reality outside of the the story that you tell yourself. It's it's a narrative that you tell yourself. From a scientific perspective, you know mm-hmm. basically there are there's there's atoms. We are all atoms, and atoms aren't worried about the disease. Atoms aren't going to die from the disease. The disease is the atoms. Disease is the atoms. Your body are the atoms. The things around you are the atoms. Atoms car atoms move around. They, they they aren't born. They're effectively immortal. You can destroy them if you put them in the middle of a sun, or you try right. really hard in a lab. But atoms are effectively immortal. And and if you as if you as I do identify as just atoms or as the entire universe, because I firmly believe my philosophy is that i am the universe experiencing itself then Mm. there is no fear of death really i i don't worry about dying because i don't believe that this body is really what i am i am the universe i am the atoms uh so i don't worry about dying right it's almost like a philosophy where you zoom out so far and, and I'm not being flippant that it all becomes one. And, and yeah, you know, what's the point about worrying about one particular part of something when you're all of it, you know, you're, you're part of everything. So it's just a process. You are everything in fact. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I mean, I guess that's what Bob introduced me to that. It's a matter of perspective. Most of us are so mm-hmm. trapped in our heads and we we think the story is real we think the illusion is real because we've always been raised to believe that that's what we've been told since we were a baby that you you are real but when you look at it from the perspective of physics you realize that this me that i'm Mm -hmm. used to think was real has no more reality than the characters in a comic book it's a picture uh, it, it's a bunch of atoms that my brain interprets and even saying my brain, the question is, well, who is the my that owns the brain? But, you know, if I was being uh, uh, careful, I would say that the brain that identifies itself as Cameron's brain is right. translating a, a certain data set that Cameron's senses are able to perceive colors, movement, sound, light, uh, it, it perceives those things and translates that into a story, but it's a very limited data set. There's a lot more going on than Cameron's brain is able to perceive. Oh. 
And if Cameron's brain was able to, to, you know, Cameron's senses were able to perceive the fullness of what scientists tell us is actually going on and, and convey that data set to Cameron's brain, Cameron's brain would be telling a very different story to the one that it tells today. Mm. You know, if, if I could see at an atomic level, I would not see that my body stops at a certain imaginary boundary and then there's empty space and then there's a desk and a computer i would see that it's just all atoms connected everywhere it's atom soup there is no division between the atoms (laughs) that make up my body and everything else because as we know if we we, uh, uh, accept what scientists tell us atoms don't have a hard shell they have a fuzzy electron cloud shell and they, they they can overlap the electrons mm. can't. It's the Pauli exclusion principle. No two electrons or any subatomic particles can op- occupy the same point in space-time. But physicists also tell us that atoms, uh, the electrons don't actually occupy any particular point in space-time until they're observed or until necessary. They're a probability cloud. So, you know, if you could see at that level, and this isn't, right. you know, fucking woo-woo shit, this is, uh, or Deepak Chopra shit. This is what... <clears throat> Right. Pick up any mainstream book on quantum physicists. Pick up a Brian Greene book um, and read, and this is what they'll say. Well, it's 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 probability clouds. Therefore, you are right. a probability cloud, uh, and that's a very different. And I like the fact, right? And I like the fact that that you you said that specifically about science because this is not faith on your part. This is not something you were told by someone who had a feeling and you you embraced it. This this can be proven in a lab. It has been proven in in hell, as we talked about before. I mean, some of the Romans, the Epicureans, had ideas about this. You know, more than two thousand years ago, that can now be backed up by science. And so that's certainly a hell of a lot more a, a stronger philosophy to hang your life on and it should give you comfort and certainly in, in moments like this well it's it, it works for me yeah, look it may not work yeah. for everyone but for me i've always been attracted to trying to get to truth how, how mm-hmm. do we get to truth with our limited monkey brains how right. do we how do we get as close to truth as possible and i think science scientific experiments uh, the, the, the disciplines that the scientific community try and impose upon themselves is the best approach that we currently have to getting there. And this is what scientists tell us. This is mainstream physics, uh, quantum physicists, uh, quantum physics. This is as, as best as I can understand it. Uh, and I've spoken with quantum physicists about this and they agree. Um, mm-hmm. And then building a philosophy around that. And of course, as we talked about in the three illusions, so you know, physicists typically, there are some exceptions. A um, couple of books I've read recently by physicists that are making the leap from that to philosophy, but te- generally physicists don't do that. They say, well, here's the da- here's the facts, and they don't right. say so. Therefore, but uh, you know, that's what I had to do as a as a young man. I had to go, well, what does this mean for how I live, for how for my interpretation of myself? Anyway, in times like this, I think it's very useful to have a philosophy, have a framework. And it doesn't have to be my framework. Uh, Find a framework if you don't have one. But you need, in times of great crisis and great stress, existential crisis, as as the human race is going through right now, it's Mm -hmm. very, very important for your own well-being and the well-being of those around you that each of us has a a framework, a philosophy for understanding who and what you are 
and your role in the world and that, that gives you some level of peace, some level of comfort and some level of interpretation for what you should do next and how you should live. Again, if you... If you yeah, because... Go I, ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, because if you have a philosophy, if you have something like that, it gives you, to a degree, uh, a list of priorities when there are times are are bad and they're struggling you it helps you to i guess i'm and i guess i'm more asking than telling i'm assuming it helps you define what is important what your priorities are what you can focus your time and energy and assets on versus just panicking shutting down any kind of thinking and just um i guess just closing your eyes and waiting for something to happen you actually can chart a course because you have the things that are important to you and the things that you can let go uh certainly when times are harder Yes, and, and most importantly, I think it just removes all anxiety and all stress. I mean, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the main things that fuck people up, Ray, um, psychologically and emotionally, I believe, are anxiety, guilt, um, sort of anger, deep, you know, deep uh, long-term anger, right. uh, sort of depression, fear, resentment, these are the things that fuck people up, but they are all predicated on a certain erroneous philosophical understanding. And that is that I and the people around me have the ability to control my decisions and actions and thoughts because I have free will. And I'm an independent being <laughs> in the universe with independent agency. And that's just not scientifically supportable. The free will right. does not, cannot, will not, never has existed. And uh, therefore, nobody around you has any control over their thoughts or actions, and you don't have any control over your thoughts and actions as well. Decisions are thoughts. Thoughts are properties of the brain. The brain is made of chemicals. Chemicals are made of atoms. Atoms always obey the laws of physics. Therefore, every decision you or anyone around you ever has or ever has had is 100% the results of the laws of physics. No, there's no if, mm. buts or maybes. That's just how it is. And once you fully accept that and, and integrate that into your philosophy, it, it removes, not necessarily immediately, because it takes some time for the brain to rewire itself around this. And, and I think that time is right. sort of 10 years, I think. But... It, it removes all of those things. It's impossible to have guilt or resentment or anxiety when you fully accept that everything is just the universe unfolding. And then if you take the block theory of the universe, which again is mainstream physics, pick up a Brian Green book, The Elegant Universe. He talks about the block theory of the universe. And I heard him talk about it again mm -hmm. on Joe Rogan's show a few weeks ago. Block theory of the mm -hmm. universe says that the, that the universe, uh, uh, all of... The past, present, and future coexist simultaneously. If you want to visualize it the way that Brian Greene talks about it, the Brian Greene's a, a very famous sort of physicist, quantum physicist, um, made TV mm -hmm. shows, written a lot of very popular science books. Um, you can think, you can visualize the universe as a loaf of bread and sli sliced up into um, gajillion, very tiny slices. And each one of those slices is a point in time, but all of those slices coexist. And it, it appears mm. that 
all of the past and all of the present of the universe coexists and, and we are somehow just uh, traveling through time. Time doesn't, like the future doesn't uh, uh, coalesce as we get to it. It, it, it already exists right. before we get there. And if yeah. that theory, which is mainstream physics, and even Einstein famously, when one of his colleagues died in the, I think it was the early 50s, uh, Einstein wrote a letter to this colleague's wife saying something, I'm paraphrasing here, but it goes something like, for we confirmed physicists, um, past, present, and future are all an illusion, albeit a persistent right. one. Uh, so... <laughs> The, the future has already happened. So what's going to happen, what that means is, when you translate that into a philosophy, is what's going to happen to mm -hmm. you and your family and your friends and society in general next week, next month, next year has already happened. And right. you, our job, if there is such a thing, is just to experience it, to live through it. It's already happened. So there's no point right. worrying about something that's already happened. It's already happened. Now, that doesn't Ooh. mean, as yeah. people often misinterpret that, that you can't do anything right now. You can do things. You can right. sit in the corner and cry. You can get up and lead a march. You can vote. You can read. You can do all sorts of things. But those things already have happened, too. You are going to, oh, you, you have already right. done those things that you were going to do because you are part of the universe. Um, yeah. you know, people sometimes you, say to me, well, if I believe that, I wouldn't do anything. And I go, well, A, you don't know what you're going to do because you don't have any control over your thoughts and actions. And B, whatever you're going to do, you've already done in the future. You can't step outside of this. You can't outthink this. You're, yeah. No matter what it is, it's already been factored in. Yeah. It's like a, or whatever. A, like if somebody's never watched Breaking Bad and, and, and I give them all whatever, five seasons of Breaking Bad and they, they're watching season one and they, they're like, well, and I tell them, well, this is how it ends. They go, well, no, I'm going to change it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell Walter White to do something different. Well, he can't do anything different because it's already finished. Like the show is made. Uh. The show's there. Doesn't matter. You, can. you know, thinking that you can change the future is like screaming at the TV, telling Walter White to do something different. You can <laughs> which, scream all you like. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go ahead. You can scream and rant and jump up and down, but you're not going to change one iota of what happens to Walter White. He dies at the end, by the way. If anyone hasn't seen that, that's the spoiler. Uh, <laughs> and so do you. So that's what, that's one thing I want to point out. The fatality rate of the human species is 100%, was yesterday, will be tomorrow, until we invent yeah. you know, uh, nanotechnology, of course, that can make us immortal, which I hope they hurry up with because they're running out of time. <laughs> anyway, so that's the right. philosophies. That went a lot longer than I expected it to. Let's move because I've got another two hours of this to talk about. Oh, as God. for the virus and the panic... Um, how do you live with this? Look, as we said in the anti-vax series, Ray, I think you have to be careful of the sources that you turn to at a time like this. More than ever, be careful yes. who you listen to. Uh, yeah. who, like we said in the vaccination series, who do you trust and why do you trust that source? Who yeah. do you turn to at the moment for, in, for news on, on the whole crisis, Ray? Ooh, um, to be honest with you, I, I I look at like three or four different um, 
I'll just call them news agencies, just to compare their overall tone and seeing what they're saying. But the things that I find that they have in common is that the title, titles of most of their articles, not all, but most of their articles are either clickbait, it's made to make you angry, or it's made to make you afraid. But either way, they just want you to click so you get paid. Um, if I could just real quick, I, I just want to give you a couple of these just to show you how how outrageous this is, because I was um, talking to a neighbor and we were standing six feet apart and, and we both had the same the same general feeling. We live in the, in, a, in the middle of Virginia, very few people here, very spread out. You know, you would have to go looking for the virus to find it here. But the fear, even in our tiny little um, Lovingston, our town, is like through the roof. You know, they've closed the restaurants. I'm not even sure if the post office, which is a really small one, is open anymore. I, um, the restaurants are closed. Uh, I think the only thing that's open is Food Line, and nobody wants to go in there. And on a personal note, I went to the Chinese restaurant the other day to get lunch for my family, and the woman started crying because nobody had been in there for days. So that was just a little personal story. But, I, but I'm looking through these different websites, and I'm looking at these titles of the articles. Now, by the way, I don't think that's gonna... why she was crying. I think she just because I walked in. Yeah, I just think she'd never seen a real life <laughs> dwarf before, and she was crying with sympathy right. for you. you know. Right. Well, actually, I was a little taller than her, so I'm the largest dwarf <laughs> she's ever seen. No, no, but but you 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 all you have to do, and you mentioned this a couple of months ago when we were when we were analyzing news stories. You don't even have to read the articles anymore. It's all in the title when they're trying to give you that spin, like this one, intelligence officials were warning Trump about a pandemic as early as January, but they couldn't get him to do anything about it. No matter what the article says, you are worked up, you are stressed, you are angry. If you hate him, you hate him even more. And if you don't hate him, you think this is just a slander piece. Then there's another one. The Trump Department of Justice asked Congress to craft legislation allowing chief judges to indefinitely hold people without trial and suspend other constitutionally protected rights during coronavirus and other emergencies. So again, it's like, is Trump trying to use this to take my rights away? Is this is he going to do what Lincoln did during the Civil War and suspend habeas corpus? I mean, it's just... You, you, your blood pressure can go up just by reading titles on a screen. It doesn't matter if it's CNN, MSNBC, BBC, uh, Fox News. Well, not Fox News because they're on his side, but, you know, you get worked up. And there's another one. Then there's articles that are to make you afraid. White supremacists talk of weaponizing court uh, coronavirus. Federal investigators appear to be monitoring their communications on Telegram, a messaging app that has become popular with neo-Nazis. Basically, they want to gather some of the stuff up, however you do that, and make cops and people in the army sick so they can fight and take over the country one day. So again, these extreme things that will probably never happen because officials are watching them. But if you read this stuff and don't really think about it or go into detail, you're going to start panicking, you're going to start freaking out, and you are truly going to think the world is on the edge of the abyss. And it's just to get your attention, so hopefully you do click, so they get paid. It's it's just mass hysteria presented as official news, and it's all over the place. It's, it's just very, very alarming. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to talk some more about those sorts of things mm -hmm. and the probability of those later on. But I do think we you're right. Right, we need to keep in mind that the media, uh, commercial media is all about drama and sells yeah. attention for a living. Uh, and in yeah. times like this, like this, is, right. this is good times. I mean, it's bad times for the economy in general, bad times for lots of businesses. But 
good times for the media. I mean, you, if you're a right. journalist, you can work from home and write your stories. And media companies are going to be, uh, well, I don't know about advertising revenue. It might be a little bit tricky if uh, businesses are shutting right. down. But generally speaking, their ability to drive uh, uh, readership, viewership, listenership during mm-hmm. times of crisis is a great thing. They, they live for it. They love it. Uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll see what happens to their revenue, I guess, a year from now. We'll be able to look back and see if this was a boon time right. for them or not. But uh, in terms of who to turn to on a more positive note, uh, the first person I've uh-huh. been turning to is uh, Bill Gates. Uh, uh-huh. Bill Gates, my old boss, uh, Billy G, right. as, as, as I refer to him. Uh, <laughs> Bill obviously has mostly for the last 20 years been running the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, one of the largest funders of healthcare operations globally and uh, he has actually been the guy sounding the warning bells about uh, the the threat of a pandemic for a very long time here is a bit of a clip from a ted talk that he gave in 2015 if anything Mm -hmm. kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Not missiles, but microbes. Now, part of the reason for this is that we've invested a huge amount in nuclear deterrence. But we've actually invested very little in a system to stop an epidemic. We're not ready for the next epidemic. Let's look at Ebola. I'm sure all of you read about it in the newspaper. Uh, Lots of tough challenges. I followed it uh, carefully through the uh, case analysis tools we use to track polio eradication. And as you look at what went on, the problem wasn't that there was a system that didn't work well enough. The problem was that we didn't have a system at all. So... Bill, obviously, yeah. you would think uh, somebody you might want to listen to, a uh, relatively smart guy, Bill. Uh, right. And, you know, he's been saying for at least five years, that was just when he did the TED Talk, that uh, we need to get ready for an epidemic. We yeah. need to get ready for this because they've happened before. I mean, H1N1 was 2009, uh, roughly one to one and a half billion people around the world were infected with swine flu. And we knew then that that was the first, that was evidence that we weren't ready. And then we had the Ebola thing and we weren't ready. And what did we do to get ready? Nothing, nothing. I mean, there are, there are certain groups, very small, massively underfunded that have been trying to do their best, but at a global level, the most advanced capitalist nations of the world just sat on their hands and said, well, it probably yeah. won't happen. Whereas Bill Gates was going, oh, it's going to happen. We just don't know when yeah. it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. So anyway, I've been turning to Bill Gates. Uh, he did an AMA on Reddit uh, a few days ago, which was great. He's been writing about it on his blog. He's been writing about it on Twitter. So I turned to Bill. I think Bill 
mm-hmm. is a guy that when it comes to this sort of stuff, uh, the work of his foundation in particular, I, I, I trust. I, I, as for whether or not Bill Gates is a psychopath, I don't think he is, but that, that's a separate discussion. I've also been turning to right. the Center for Evidence-Based Medicine at Oxford. They've got a great website mm. where they're tracking the data around the world and analyzing it carefully. Because as we'll see, a lot of the stuff that you read in the mainstream news is not giving you an accurate picture or the full picture, I think. Chrissy likes uh, Dog on YouTube. Zubin Damania MD, Dog MD, he calls himself. He's a former... (laughs) Stanford uh, ER hospital guy who then set up his own hospital, private hospital thing in Las Vegas, low cost private hospital funded by the CEO of Zappos, which shut down a few years ago. Now he's just like a YouTube celebrity. He, um, but he, he, Chrissy likes him because again, he, she, I haven't watched enough of him to be able to say, but um, I've checked him out. He seems legit and he, is bringing a very sort of rational, fact-based approach to medical coverage. He was been doing it for years, but obviously right now he's um, mm-hmm. sort of a coach. But anyway, the point is choose your sources carefully and I would say avoid the mainstream media reporting on this as much as possible. Like I scan my eyes over the headlines a few times a day, mostly to see... The, you know that Kenny Rogers is not returned from the dead as a zombie because yes. I'm still not convinced that this isn't a zombie apocalypse and that these people we think are dying are actually going to rise, rise again. Up. I don't know how long yes. the yes. the the reawakening process takes, but I've seen this before. I mean, me this is we're right. living in a zombie movie right now. I know it could be a week, could be a month, could be a couple of months. Eventually, these people will rise from the dead. And, and quite frankly, when Kenny Rogers rises from the dead, I'll be the first to greet him. Uh, big Kenny Rogers fan. <laughs> My life. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Don't like country music, but, you know, Kenny, Dolly, Johnny. Kenny. You know. Right. Yeah. Special. They're special. <clears throat> On a warm summer's evening. Summer's evening. On a train, train bound, bound for nowhere. Bound for nowhere. I met up with a nice. gambler. We were both too tired to oh, sleep. Too tired to sleep. Nailed it. All right. So one of the first things that I did when I had time was to build my own model. So uh, right. I, I open up a spreadsheet and I start plugging data in. Because, uh, you know, uh, I like numbers. I'm not good at numbers. Yeah. But I like numbers. I like thinking about numbers. I like thinking about data. So, and and mm-hmm. you know, particularly working with Tony Kynaston on QAV over the last year or so, it's 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 encouraged me to look at the data and see what the data is telling you. Forget the narratives. Everyone wants to tell you a story, as Tony says about QAV right. when we're analysing stocks. And you know, every CEO has a story. And if I wanted to hear a story, I'd buy a fucking book. I don't want a story. <laughs> I want the data. Because <laughs> the numbers, right. the numbers don't lie, um, and when you actually look at the numbers, some interesting stuff comes out, which I'll explore as we move forwards. But you know, the big question that everyone has is: Is I'm going to is is am I going to die? 
And of course, the answer mm-hmm. is yes. As I said before, everyone's going to die eventually, um, right. and, and until they come up with a mortality, or unless you've got yourself signed up for cryonics. I was just thinking about that this morning. When I was in my late twenties, I was actually part of a cryonics group in Melbourne, and uh, I wonder how that's going. I haven't heard much about cryonics lately. Mm-hmm. Um, as for COVID, there are three ratios that we need to be aware of. What are the, what are the three key ratios that people need to know, Ray? Um, is it the infection rate, the mortality recovery? I'm not sure. Mm, Close. I keep reading in Mm -hmm. the media that the, that the coronavirus fatality rate is estimated at 3.4%. The very right. see, I'm seeing four percent, three percent, four percent, two percent. What is? I mean, I guess that's what people are worried about because that's very high. You know, the yes. uh, the fatality rate for swine flu was zero point zero two percent, but the the mm-hmm. and influenza is about the same. But the question is, what fatality? Which fatality rate is that? So there are three key different rates. Mm-hmm that I think people don't understand. I didn't understand until I started drilling into this and a few medical friends on Facebook pointed this out to me that you need to be aware of. There's the case fatality rate, the infected fatality rate, and the mortality rate. And the media Mm. tends to just throw these rates out there quite often without explaining what they are and how they're different from each other. And also uh-huh. how uh, loosey-goosey they are right now because of the lack of data that we actually have. It's, it's very difficult in the middle of a crisis to know what the data is. And, you know, over the last uh, couple of weeks, as I've been having conversations with people online and offline about this, I've been trying to help them understand, uh, as my own understanding has been developing, that there's a big difference between, for example, the case fatality rate and the infected fatality rate. So case fatality rate, or CFR, is the number of reported deaths per number of reported cases. Okay. Um, A reported case is where we've actually tested someone and we know they have the virus. So, for example, you said the uh, number of reported cases in the United States today is four. 2,817 or maybe mm-hmm. 43,214. I think it's just gone up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. the, the number of reported cases in Australia is... This is 1,682, but I think that's out of date. I think it's a bit higher than that now. Let me see on the Australian government site. Uh, it says current situation in case numbers. I don't know, 1,709 confirmed cases. So a little bit higher than this. Damn. Right. A uh, lot less than 42,000. Um, yes. But our population's smaller. And, and I think one of the things we've got to our advantage here is our. Um, Population density is a lot lower than yes. most places mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, okay, so the case fatality rate is the number of reported deaths per the number of reported cases. The 
infected fatality rate, IFR, is how many people who are infected with the virus, including those who don't even develop symptoms, will die. Mm. Now, because we don't have wide-scale testing, that number doesn't get reported because we don't know accurately what it is. But we do have enough data to make some guesstimates as to what it is and i'll get into that shortly but that's i think the 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 people confuse the two the case fatality rate is much higher than the infected fatality rate is and it seems much scarier mm-hmm. than the infected fatality right. rate the yeah. mortality rate the mr is how many people out of the entire population will die from the virus, whether you catch it or not. Mm-hmm. And oh, gotcha. I, I see these I see these n- names, fatality rate, mortality rate, getting bandied about in the media, and the numbers are all over the place, and they don't clarify the definitions, and it's, it's quite confusing. So, to, so let's say, for example, that the population consists of a, of a town as 1,000 people, and 500 right. get infected, a hundred of those people develop the disease. They have, you know, symptoms. They're, they're, there's a case reported as a result. They get tested and they're a confirmed case, which is about right. Mm-hmm. About about twenty percent is is what we're expecting. Maybe right. even maybe even less. Maybe ten percent. And then three of those die from the disease, which is about the three percent case fatality rate. Um, in that case, the mortality rate for the disease is three in a thousand. Three people out of the entire population die who's 0.003. Mm-hmm. The case fatality rate is three in a hundred. Three people died out of a hundred reported cases. That's 0.03. Okay. The, or, or 3% or 0.03 in, in uh, decimals. Uh, the infection mm-hmm. fatality rate is three in 500, 0.006. Now this this isn't point zero zero six percent, just point zero zero six. So there's a big mm-hmm. difference between point zero three and point zero zero six and point zero zero three, right? Big differences right. in those numbers, but they get they get yeah. confused a lot in the media. So you need to be very careful when you hear these stories about what the rates are to figure out which rate they're really talking about. Now, one of the other problems is with COVID is uh, because it's so early between countries, fatality rates, case fatality rates vary significantly and over time. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a high degree of uncertainty about what the actual case fatality rates even are. And again, right. I'm getting my data on this from the Center for Evidence Based Medicine at Oxford, the CEBM. Now, at the moment, according to their stats, the case fatality rates range from, on the low end, 0.3 in Austria up to, and that'd be 0.3 per, yeah, 0.3, yes, not percent, I think just the CFR, to 12.5 in San Marino, Mm. the tiny country that I had never heard of before in the middle of northern, in the middle of northern Italy. Sorry, that is that yeah. is percent, 0.3 percent and 12.5 percent. Actually, gotcha. San Marino's dropped to 11.3 percent as of today. It's percents, not just digitals, uh, whatever you right. would call that. Um, 
Yeah, San Marino, this fucking little country in the middle of Italy that's independent. It's always kept its independence. Garibaldi hid there when Garibaldi was pushing for unification and uh, he was getting a, he was he was he was like getting oppressed for that. He hid in San Marino, and consequently, when he did unify Italy, he let them keep their independence, which they always had traditionally. Oh. So they're an that independent sounds... little country in the middle of northern Italy, and then I, I want to talk about northern Italy because. I've heard a lot about um, yes. Northern Italy's death rate. Everyone's hearing about Italy's death rate. According to CEBM, the case fatality rate is 9.26 in Northern Italy. That's not including San Marino. However, a couple of days ago on the 20th of March, the scientific advisor to Italy's health minister came out mm -hmm. and said, what you need to understand is Everyone who dies in a hospital in Italy that has coronavirus is included in the number of coronavirus fatalities, even if they died from some other pre-existing problem. Oh, doesn't so seem if, very wise. If you died of heart disease and you were already going to die, right. but you happen to be infected because the infection was running rampant around the hospital there, as it did in one hospital. Mm -hmm. They had they had a 38-year-old guy who they thought had influenza, and he was walking around the hospital for a few days before they realized Jesus. he had coronavirus, so it spread rampantly. But if, if you happen to be infected with COVID, even if you die from something else, they, mm -hmm. list, you as a, they list you in their case fatality numbers in Italy. He now, says, I, I only play a doctor, but is that wise? I mean, it, it's it's a contributing factor maybe, but it's not why they died. Is that skewing the numbers or am I missing something? No, it is skewing the numbers. This is the points why, okay. why I mentioned it, right? Right. Uh, this guy, the scientific advisor, scientific advisor said, the way in which we code deaths in our country is very generous in the sense that all the people <laughs> who die in hospitals with the coronavirus, are deemed to be dying of the coronavirus. Ah. So, ah, look, we'll just say you died of coronavirus. Hey, what's the matter? You die, you like, it's the coronavirus, <laughs> it's a heart attack, it's the lung cancer, it doesn't matter. It's the Italy Shut up your face. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what's the matter, you? Hey, God, so you, no hey. respect. What do hey. you think you do? Why are you looking so sad? <laughs> it's not so bad. It's a nicer place. Coronavirus, your face. Uh, we just put it all in there. It's all a coronavirus. Uh, uh, now, the, but they, the other thing to understand about Italy, and this is more mainstream coverage, is that the patients there are much older than the, yes. the, the patients that were infected in China. He says, Professor Ricciardi, Ricciardi, who is the scientific advisor, says the age of our patients in hospitals is substantially older. The median is 67, while in China it was 46. Mm. So they're much okay. older and they're dying of other stuff and yeah. they're right. just getting rolled up into the coronavirus number. So right. like every country reports deaths differently. There's no consistency here. And that might be one of the reasons why the numbers are all over the place. It's insane. Yeah, you think somebody would have worked that out by now in United Nations or some medical association, but you think that would have been streamlined, but everybody does their own thing, I guess. And and to compare this with swine flu, so mm -hmm. 
10 weeks after the first international alert of swine flu, so this is, I'm talking 16th of July, 2009, which is 10 weeks after it was discovered, right. the case fatality rate around the world ranged from 0.1% to 5.1%. Mm -hmm. After the whole thing was done and dusted, the World Health Organization reported that the fatality rate was actually 0.02%. So far, wow. far lower than the reporting was at right. the time because no one knew what the fuck was going on. So yeah. that's the first thing is we have to be careful about taking these numbers as fact. They're all over the place as they were with the swine flu and we won't really know what it is um, much, much later. Now, I also want to point out the other comparison with swine flu is, as I said earlier, somewhere between a billion and a one and a half billion people were infected with swine flu. Uh, and mm. the world didn't come to a screaming shutdown at the time, even though there, were talk, there was talk of the, the case fatality rate of being 5%. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm no mathematician, Ray, but 5% of a billion people is... It's a big number. ...is a lot of people. Yeah. Times Here are the one. 0.05 right. is 50 million people. So yeah, 50 million people, if those numbers had been right, uh, could have died. Um, they didn't. Uh, right. But, you know, uh, uh, the global economy didn't shut down back then. Why not? What, mm -hmm. what's, what's different between now and then, do you think? Yeah, and this is similar to when Trump got his hand smacked for many things, but one when he was comparing this to the flu a couple of weeks ago. I just assumed that the, um, I'm not sure the proper word, the uh, ability for this thing to spread, I just assumed it was a lot more severe than some of those other things. Is that not the case? And if it's not, what's driving the absolute panic that we're going through now? Well, I thought uh, it was more contagious. Uh, yeah, well, it may be, but uh, it doesn't seem to be more contagious than swine flu. I mean, right. if, the, if, if the World Health Organization numbers are right and there was one and a half billion people, I, I've seen estimates of 700 million to 1.4 billion. They don't really have a hard number, but those are the World Health Organization sure. estimates. Um, and, uh, you know, that's... that's, that's uh, it's a lot of people. We're up to what? Mm -hmm. how, how many have this now? Uh, as far as deaths? No. Uh, infections worldwide? 374,000. Okay. So we've got, a, we've got a way to go, but before we hit right. you know, sort of a billion, 1.4 billion. But it's, it's, it's growing fast. But as the world goes into lockdown, that may slow down. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Anyway, well, I'll talk about the difference between the reaction to swine flu and the reaction to this uh, a little bit later in the show. So in terms of numbers, uh, when I'm building my modeling and my spreadsheet, um, looking at some of the contained cases where we have accurate numbers, one is the diamond princess. Um, mm -hmm. Not the ruby princess, not the grand princess, the diamond princess. <clears throat> there are a lot of ships out there called princess people. Get your princesses right. Uh, not princess buttercup. <clears throat> Uh, I would have liked to infect her with something. I can tell you that right now. Not Princess Bubblegum. 
on Adventure Time, although I would probably infect her as well. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah. You know, her hair comes off in chunks, which you can chew. Um, <laughs> as something. your... Anyway. I don't know yeah. what, what, you know, I mean, her whole body is made of bubble gum, so that, I mean, that's something different. <laughs> the possibilities. I know, Exactly. Right? Yeah. She, yeah. she says, I want you to eat me. And when and then she goes, no, really, I mean, I mean, eat me. It blow, it blow bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a whole other level of kinkiness. I apologize. I want to see that episode of Adventure Time. Uh, her and Jake, anyway. and Jake can stretch. And Jake can stretch and she's made of bubble gum. I mean, the possibilities Ooh, are endless. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> back to the diamond princess um 3711 people on the ship passengers and crew only 712 mm -hmm. tested positive for the virus around about 20 percent average right. age of the people on board was 58 quite quite old an elderly uh right. cohort there compared to you know normal society Around half yeah. the people that tested positive were asymptomatic, mm. okay. um, which is a, a lower percentage than you would normally expect, but that's probably because of the, the advanced age of the people on the boat. As of today, right. as far as I know, only 8% have died, ran about 1% of the people that were infected died mm -hmm. so that's an ifr of you know 0 0.01 or or one percent right. it's 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 a case fatality rate of two percent eight out of okay. say 300 350 give or take um but look they were all the a third of the passengers over a thousand passengers were the, between the ages of seventy and seventy-nine, and about six percent were over the age of eighty. Now I don't know about I do have you know, I did dig up U.S. demographic data somewhere, but in Australia, about six percent of our population is age seventy to seventy-nine, and only two percent of our population is over eighty. So the average age of the ship was far older than the average age of Australian society. And all of the deaths gotcha. occurred in patients over the age of 70. No mm. one under the age of 70 died. Now, I think right there you have the big difference between coronavirus and swine flu. Swine flu affected people of all ages. Uh, coronavirus, right. mostly, you can get sick if you're under the age of 70. You can die if you're under the age of 70. No reported cases or deaths of children age zero to nine but uh you know there are the the rare stories of people age you know mostly 20 and up getting sick couple dying but very 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 low percentages so that's the the main mm -hmm. thing here is it mostly involves older white people in the west ah right <laughs> like they're coming for the old white people now you know some people have called it the <laughs> Some people have already called it the boomer remover. Um, or David Markham pointed out these aren't the boomers, really. They're the silent generation. So I call it the silent virulent. Uh, virulent. Try to rhyme virulent with silent. The silent virulent. Yeah. I got yeah. you. I got you. Uh, but it's coming after the old people. Like the old people. Right. 
who in the West mostly control the money and the media right. and government. Uh, the people in the 70s, they're like, oh, this one's, uh, you know, it's coming for us. For oh, fuck that shit. Yeah. We need to do something about it. Shut everything down. Well, it's real. Yeah, shut it down. Close it up. We'll talk huh. more about that later. Now, um, I've in according to my own analysis, so you said before the numbers, the official numbers are that there are currently 43,000 Americans uh, confirmed cases. Confirmed. Yes, yeah. yes, just 43,000. I'm sure it's jumped by now. By my estimate, where are we? Uh, 24th of March, there were probably around about 5 million Americans infected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will explain why. I'd say somewhere between 3 to 5 million Americans affected as of this date. Okay. Um, and, and here's my back-of-the-envelope um, analysis. It appears that an infection takes about three weeks to resolve, 23, 24 days, a little bit over three weeks. This is from when you first get infected to when you either recover or die. The first right. five okay. or six days, people tend not to show any symptoms. The symptoms kick in in the second week at some stage, and it takes an average of five days between the onset of symptoms and hospitalization. If you get it, if you get a bad case. Now, again, they say mm -hmm. most people will either be asymptomatic or will have mild to medium symptoms. It'll be like having a, having a right. flu, having a cold. Yeah. But if you do end up in hospital, it, you know, that, that tends to happen somewhere in the next five days. And then it takes mm. about two weeks between hospitalization and death. Average is about 10 days in ICU. By the way, uh, I did read one story by, uh, I think he's an ethicist who's working in hospitals, um, uh, about what death looks like, and it ain't pretty. Uh, basically, right. your lungs fill up with fluid, your, and you can't breathe. Your alveoli... Uh, start um, uh, uh, leaking blood into your system. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, and, uh, yeah. No, you've done enough. That's enough. Thank you. No, they, they start leaking, <laughs> start leaking blood and uh, you start coughing up the alveoli, alveoli, I'm thinking of um, um, aioli that I like to have, you know, with right. my fish and chips, uh, my, uh, to dip my, um, dip my uh, calamari in aioli, alveoli, alveoli, the little air sacs, and your lungs start leaking right. blood and you start coughing up pink foam, as this guy referred to it, and until you basically, you know, choke on your own. You drown in your own bloody right. inflammation uh, phlegm. Uh, not not pretty. And you're you're suffering from extreme fever at the time. It's mm -hmm. it's, it's nasty. It's nasty. Aches and pains. Right. Right. And then, but again, again, we don't know exactly how long it takes between that and when you rise again. Um, as We're a still zombie. working that out. Working that out. Yeah. Right? So about... always go for the brain, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Double tap. 
23, 24 days. Now, um, now on March 19th, the US had reported, this is what I was doing my numbers a four or five days ago, the US reported a total of 205 deaths. The figure was 85 on March 16th and 47 on March 13th. That means the number of deaths doubles about every three days. And Fuck. Be- because we know that the the IFR were based on something like the, the um, Diamond Princess and also looking mm-hmm. at China and South Korean numbers, it's very similar. It looks right. like the IFR is about 1%. That means if uh, for every one person who dies, 100 people are infected. If the number of people dying doubles every three days, it means the number of people infected is doubling every three days. Gotcha. If there okay. were 205 right. deaths on March 19th, it means that three weeks before that, there were 100 times as many infections. So we, mm-hmm. can, we can say that around about February 29th, give or take, there were 20,500 right. infections. And so on mm-hmm. my spreadsheet, I just doubled that every three days, which brings me through to March 3rd, 41,000 infections, March 6th, 82, March 9th, 164, March 12th, 328, March 15th, 656. It takes me through to March 24th, the day I'm recording, 5,248,000 infections. Now this may have been slowed down by various stages of lockdown, banning mm-hmm. public meetings and that kind of stuff. It may have slowed, but if it hasn't slowed, that's where we're at. Right. Uh, now, from that, if that is roughly correct, if there are roughly 5 million people infected and nothing changes with the IFR, in, you know, in terms of... Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of things that could affect that. The The access to, to, to an ICU bed and intubation and do you run out of ICU beds and do you run out of oxygenation equipment and all that kind of stuff. If we start running out of the ability to give medical care to people, that IFR could go up. If we if we come up with better ways of doing these things, it could go down. Or if we come up with, if the Trump's favorite, the malaria, malaria Melania medication, I think that's the only reason he likes the malaria stuff because it sounds like Melania. Sounds, yeah. yeah. Inject that, yeah. If you can inject some Melania into you and it and it reduces your know, the fever and the 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 right. bleeding out in your lungs, it could come down. But if it is what it is, that means that three weeks from now, we should, the death toll in the US should be up around fifty-two thousand people. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to track that we'll see. and see how it goes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, just on a quick side note, I have a friend who works in a hospital on the East Coast, and he's already saying they're running out of masks. The the uh, the, the top quality mask M95. I can't remember what he said, but anyway, they're running out of that. You they're running out mic, of uh, dipshit. Huh? What? Oh no! Did I mute it? Yeah. Thank you. Anyway, let me let me just start yeah, that just again. Can you hear me? Hello. Oh, somehow I um, reduced my volume to zero. <laughs> don't know how I did that. I was typing something so, and you disappeared. Sorry, my bad. Keep please so, continue. So, I'll, I'll start over. Yeah. So it just did, uh, oh. on a side note, 
Just did it again. Hold right. on. <laughs> hands off, Cam. How many times have I told you, put your hands where I can see them? I'm trying to hit the uh, minus symbol on my keyboard. I'm hitting the mute symbol because the microphone is right. sitting in front of my keyboard. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Please okay. do that again. Okay. On a side note, I have a friend who works in the medical uh, profession. He works in a hospital on the East Coast, and he's he was telling me the other day that they're already running out of the top-level uh, masks, the M95 or whatever they're called. I can't remember what they're called. Uh, they're running... And they're running low on ventilators and they're running low on some something like gloves or something so they can uh, actually touch people or, or, or test people because they now have people who are not primary uh, caregivers actually swabbing people that come in and out of the hospital. They don't have gloves on. So um, it's, it's shit like that that scares the hell out of me because these are in larger cities. This is in Nelson County that I'm talking about. It's a large city on the East Coast. And so if they're if they're not even following basic um, procedures, then your numbers truly could come true and, and, and actually could go up percentage-wise. And so it's just when you hear stuff like that from real people that you can trust, I don't know, it, it's just it becomes that much more scary. You used to work in a in a clinic. What's going on there? I Have worked, you kept in touch with those people? I, I know because I'm afraid to call them because I might get corona. I have not called them. I just figured they're doing their thing, and I just stayed away. I, I, place, I shut down. It? Yeah. Yeah, that and head cancer. But I stay away from all hospitals now. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I mean, this whole, oh, we're running out of supplies thing, again, is is where we point to the complete and utter failure of capitalism. Yes. Uh, not yes. just in your country, in mine as well, because we're facing oh, yeah. the same thing. And, and our healthcare system is a zillion times better than yours. Uh, <laughs> the complete failure to prepare for this. Uh, and, and then also you want to compare it to China. China's like, oh, we're running out of hospitals. We'll just build more. We're just 10 build, days, boom. Yeah, we're just building Done. hospitals. Where where are the fucking hospitals being built here? Why aren't no, we building massive yeah. hospitals all over the place? Boom, 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 hospitals. Hey, capitalism, we live, look at this communism. Yeah. We kick your asses. <laughs> look at how superior we are. We're running around screaming. We're running around screaming. Ah, oh, we're running out of shit. <laughs> the communists just go, well, fuck it. We'll just build more hospitals. What's the big deal? Lock and lock them yeah. down. Oh, good. No problems. What's it? Capitalists are like, ah! Um, do you remember the symbol, Gary? Ah! Uh, it's fucking. What is. Why aren't we. You know, why don't we have underground bunkers full of yeah. uh, extra supplies for virus pandemics? <laughs> or take over massive hotels and turn it into a medical ward for the next couple of months or whatever. The government's got the fucking money. I mean, they're trying to work out a trillion dollar bill now. So, or whatever. So what the fuck well, is going on? Why aren't we ramping it up? Yeah. They, they can just print money and I'll talk more about that in a minute. <laughs> That's um, true. But yeah, like why aren't we prepared for this and why aren't we at least doing as well as the Chinese did? And don't give me this. Oh, the Chinese, it's all propaganda. They're hiding it. They're, they actually haven't contained it. Just that's all. Unless you can point to a verified yeah. source, you're just listening to bullshit anti-Chinese propaganda conspiracy theories. Cut that fucking shit out. Next person who yeah. tells me that, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> Cough on. run my toe up the crack of their ass. Like, seriously, they, <laughs> well, like. Did you say just, toe or tongue? You go, Sorry. 
<laughs> it depends who it is. Uh, just cut that just shit out. Unless you have right. a verified source, just don't even. Give me some. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, we, it's a complete and utter failure. But anyway, more on that later. So, as I said, my, my estimate is there's somewhere between, say, three to five million Americans infected now. Um, there is, you know, probably in Australia, we've only had seven deaths, which probably means we have about 90 to 100,000 infected. Now, right. that means that three weeks from now, I expect the Australian deaths to be up around 1,000, 1%, give or take. Um mm-hmm. We will we will see how uh, it how it plays out. Now, by the way, uh, U.S. health officials uh, Anthony Fauci briefed Congress about a week ago and said he believed that the case fatality rate in the country will end up being somewhere in the range of zero point one to one percent. So, meaning that you know uh, only. 0.1 to 1%, say one out of uh, uh, thousand, one, sorry, one out of every hundred people of confirmed cases will die if it's a case fatality rate. Mm-hmm. If, in fact, right. the reporting of this m- meant to say case fatality rate and not infection fatality rate, because, uh, I, you know, based on what we've seen so far, 1% seems to be the infection fatality rate. Infected fatality rate, not the case fatality rate. But if the case fatality rate is only 1% or lower, then the infected fatality rate will be much lower. And again, according to Anthony Fauci, the guy you've seen on television sweating when he's doing press conferences with Trump and Trump's talking complete shit and Fauci has to get up and go, no, none of what he just said is true. Don't listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And Trump goes... How have I not been fired yet? Yeah. And Trump's like, I don't know. I'm I'm a smart guy. You know, I, 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 I haven't seen much, but I just got, I got a good feeling about it. I don't know. I gotta, Maybe it'll be okay. Right. I don't know. I just got a good feeling it'll all work out for the best. I don't know. And this guy's In just going, oh, life, my God. In a previous life, I was a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fauci says this would make COVID-19 closer in lethality to influenza in a severe or pandemic flu season. Uh, he right. wrote this in an article in the New England Journal of Medicine. So he states that the true fatality rate. Now, we, again, I got this out of I don't know, some mainstream media article. I'm like, well, which fucking fatality rate is it? Case infected? Right. Are you talking mortality rate? This is the Washington Post, this story. The true fatality rate. Which fucking fatality rate, cocksuckers? <laughs> it's complicated. Um, <laughs> it says maybe considerably less than 1% and may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza which has a case fatality rate of approximately 0.1% or a pandemic influenza rather than a disease similar to SARS or MERS, which have had case fatality rates of 9 to 10% and 36% respectively. Now, this right. is Anthony Fauci saying, uh, yeah, it could end up being like a bad flu. Now, Trump gets criticised for saying it could just be like a bad flu season, but Anthony Fauci said the same thing. He's the uh, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He's the, yeah. We'll uh, trust him, or right. we want to believe him, right. but not Trump. But if it does turn out to be that, we have collapsed the global economy, probably the Ooh. worst depression 
leading to the worst depression uh, than that we've had since 1929. Worst depression in 100 yeah. years because we overreacted and we overreacted because we weren't prepared. We weren't Good prepared. When, when this I, first started, we should have had a plan in place. Oh, oh, look, yeah. there, there's, a pen, there's, there's a bad virus breaking out in China. Pull out the bad Break virus the plan, Barry. Yeah. He pulls it yeah. out and, yeah. you know, boom. <laughs> Start just reading off instructions. This is what we do. We didn't even have that. What the fuck is going on? Because I first thought you were going to say, and I, no, I was going to counter with, well, it's better to overreact and and to find out eight months later that you overreacted, but you you but you made a good point. We overreacted because we didn't have a plan. Because are, are people just short sighted? Do we are we not learning from history? They think it's not going to happen now, or it's not going to happen to me or on my watch. Why aren't we absorbing the lessons of history? Because these things keep popping up, and we need to make it a part of our not our daily life, but it has to be a part of the conversation amongst the countries. Yeah, I look, all of those things, just bad leadership. Um, and, yeah. you know, you can't blame Trump for it in the U.S. No, it didn't happen under the Obama administration. You know, the swine right. flu happened on Obama's watch. What did he do to make sure nothing like that ever happens again? To the best of my knowledge, nothing. Uh, yeah. Is nothing it not sexy enough? Is it not? It's, it's scary, but it's not It's like climate change. It's, oh, well, that's uh, uh, kick yeah. the can down the road. It, it's not my down problem today, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to Good put point. all these numbers in perspective. Um, how many people die in the U.S. every year, Ray? Oh, um, I have no idea. Uh, 500,000. I have no idea. No, go up. Uh, a million. Go up. Two million. Bit less. 1.7. Okay. Roughly. All right. So I should own a funeral home. Go ahead. Uh, about 650,000 people die in the U.S. from heart disease every year, 600,000 from cancer, 170,000 from unintentional unintentional accidents, as opposed to intentional accidents, mm -hmm. uh, 160,000 from chronic lower respiratory diseases, 150,000 from stroke, 120,000 from right. Alzheimer's, 83,000 from diabetes, 55,000 from influenza and pneumonia, 50,000 mm. from nephritis, nephrotic syndrome, nephrosis and uh, nef nephrophilia. No, that's that's that you don't die from that. And uh, right. 47,000 from suicide. Now, Right. Heart disease, 650,000. That's a lot of people. Um, I don't see the country going into panic over the fact that 650,000 people are going to die this year from heart disease. We're just like, right. well, they're just going to die, you know? So, it's you part know. of the norm. Yeah, they're going to die. It's baked in. Yeah. Now, it could well be, if, if, if the America doesn't shut this down, that one and a half million people could die from this uh, COVID this year as well, which, you know, worst case scenario, you know, you kind of double your death rate this year. Right, right. Is that that big a deal, though, doubling the death rate? Uh, if I Is said it to you... ruining the economy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so uh, 330 million people, 1.7 million, so 1% of 330 people would be 3 million. Uh, 1.7 is half of 3.3. So it's half of 1% of the population right. dies every year. 
we're saying that if COVID, <clears throat> if we have a worst case scenario, one and a half million people, extra people die. And quite frankly, a lot of them are going to be old and probably would have died anyway soon in the next couple of years. Uh, right. But yeah, at, let's say worst case scenario, you double it. You go from 0.5% of the population dead to 1% of the population dead. Really? I mean, yeah. is that worth you- collapsing the global economy for? But... Right. No, I, I get your point. But when you throw out headlines like, I'm a doctor, the US response to Corona has been nothing short of criminal or another one. I'm a doctor. For the first time in my career, I'm afraid. So you're bringing facts and you said you like facts and I completely can get behind that. But when these are the typical headlines in mass media, Facebook, CNN, whatever, people the facts don't matter anymore. It's the, the chance that it seems like there's a good chance they can get it. And so I, maybe they think it's worth shutting down or ruining the economy for this, even though when you look at the numbers, it's a much different picture. Now, listen, I, I, I don't want to sound cold hearted here, but you know, my mum is over 70. Yeah. Um, your, yeah. your parents are over question. 70. Um, yes. You know, yes. I, I've lots of, lots of my closest friends, Peter Elliard, Father Bob, Sailor Bob, uh, David and Marie, they're in their 90s. So David's in his 90s. All right. these people are in their 70s. And, you know, they, they are all the, the, I don't want to lose any of them. I love them. They're, they're my oldest right. and closest friends. But they're going to die. I mean, any day now from something anyway. And, you know, of course, as yeah. I started this thing, I don't believe in death because atoms don't die. So just, <laughs> I don't, it doesn't really, I don't like lose any sleep over it. But uh, if from a, from a purely um, societal perspective, we, if we, you know, the impact of collapsing the global economy, and I'm going to talk more about that as we go on. I know this is a long show, but strap yourselves in. Um, is it really worth, uh, the, this panic and, and the complete collapse of society as we know it. Shutting down schools, like you told me that your schools are going to be shut down there until the end of June and maybe yeah. longer. Here, our Prime right. Minister, Scott Morrison, has just said we're going to be in lockdown for at least six months. Schools haven't closed right. here yet, uh, but they wow. they may do. I believe the teachers are going to go on strike tomorrow if the schools haven't been closed. Uh, right. Pretty much everything else has been shut down we we are banned from leaving our houses but right. uh, we we are supposed to restrict our movements to you know absolutely to go. things that are absolutely necessary yeah right uh <clears throat> but this like this has never happened outside of i don't know fucking wartime uh yes in in since god knows when probably since the yeah. spanish flu hundred years ago. So uh, we're completely ill-prepared. We we're completely... Like, the, like it took the world 10 years to recover from the Great Depression. And, and we only recovered then because we went into a war. And the war right. was partially caused by the Depression. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you... The impact that this global depression could have... Could end up killing how many? How many people died in World War Two, Ray? Good God, was it somewhere around seventy-five million? Mm, I think it's more like eighty. Yeah, somewhere like that. Eighty million mm-hmm. people, rough guesses. Right. What we've just done to the global economy could have massive long-term impacts, not just on 
like the people whose uh, inv- retirement funds or superannuation funds have just gone into the toilet and will take 10 years to recover and they'll probably die before that happens anyway because they're in their right. 70s or 80s. Uh, millions, right. millions, probably hundreds of millions of people are going to lose their employment, out of work. They're gonna, the emotional distress, the psychological distress, the financial distress of them and their children is incalculable. Uh, businesses are going to go to the wall. People who have invested everything in their lives to build a business through mm-hmm. no fault of their own. Restaurants, other small businesses. Yes. I'm, I'm really glad I don't have a marketing agency anymore because it would be dead. Um, right. We don't know what's going to happen to podcasters. Podcasters might starve people. Have you thought about this? <laughs> what could happen to podcasters? Um, you Do know, now. The, the, <laughs> you got a tote bag. We'll send you a tote bag. Well, we won't because we can't afford the cost of the tote bag. We just got to keep the money. We, 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 have to, we might yeah. have to eat those tote bags. That might be the last thing. Right. We'll have to wipe our asses with them when we run out of toilet paper. <laughs> the impact of this is massive. Um, I, yeah. I keep hearing the word draconian. And as I like to point out on Facebook yesterday, what most people probably don't know is who Draco was. Do you know who Draco was, Ray? You probably read my post. You know now. Uh, actually, I didn't. I don't. A guy in the Carpathian Mountains or Transylvania. I have no idea. I'm just making that up. I Dr- Draco I no is the first recorded legislator of ancient Athens. He wrote the first constitution oh, yes. of Athens. Fuck, yes. And it was it was fairly harsh. You, you got the death penalty for stealing a cabbage. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. uh, so therefore draconian means as harsh as Draco's uh, constitution. Ancient, ancient Athens. Right. Um, you know, we should have seen right then that uh, democracy, was, that was the first democratic constitution. Right, right then we should have gone, well, this ain't going to work. Look at this. Next. Yeah, yeah. what else you got? <laughs> Your pol- <laughs> political kickback. Door number two, please. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, So that's my big concern here is that through lack of preparation, we have panicked mostly because it's affecting older people and the older people run our economies. And we we have set off a chain of events which is going to lead to far, far worse consequences than mm. a doubling of the death rate for one year. Mostly right. in old people who were going to die anyway in the next 10 years. We could have mm. set off a chain of events that are going to destroy the world. And I'm going to talk about what I think some of the potential um, fallout from this is going to be in a minute. So, like, uh, the average age, by the way, of the Democratic House leadership currently is 72, whereas wow. the average age mm-hmm. of the Republican House leadership is only 48. The average age oh. of Congress is 47. Right. But what happens if the leaders are all in lockdown? What happens if your your Nancy Pelosi and your Mitch McConnells uh, all Chuck in lockdown? Your, your, your yeah. Grahams, your Chuck Schumers, exactly. Or what happens if a large num- numbers of them die? What happens if your 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 uh, Ukraine Joe or and your uh, Donald Trump uh, uh, are all either 
in lockdown or dead as a result of this in six months? What happens right. then? Uh, we'll, ex- we'll explore some of that. But the, like, one of the things that you know I, I tend to think about is, well, what are the questions that aren't being asked? What isn't being talked about? What's going to happen from here with this kind of stuff? While we're all in mm-hmm. panic... Of course, you know, one of the things that I've been plotting for the last couple of weeks is the greatest heist known to history. While everything's in lockdown, no one's paying attention. I'm going to put together a a crack team of experts and we're going to rob all of the world's leading museums uh, and art galleries. Uh, It's going to be the greatest heist mankind has ever known. I I would have invited you, but uh, you have no discernible skills. Oh, I have a black turtleneck. I think that qualifies I mean, me. I guess if if we have any like like narrow spaces that only a small person right. could get into, we could have used you for that. But right. you, you're a bit tubby, so you'd probably just get stuck. I'm stuck in the air conditioning vent. And you're like, oh fucking, I just leave him there. Like seriously, he's more trouble than he's worth. I'm still gonna get. I'm still gonna get paid my cut, though, right? Oh yeah, sure, buddy, sure. <laughs> so, anyway, the the first thing I've been thinking about is China. So, right. China is, as we talked about on our China series, already the world's number one economy. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's been through the whole trade war with the US recently. No love lost between the two countries there. It's been through the propaganda war that went with that. Now the US is going, please send us more masks. Please send us more yeah. gloves. Please send us in China. If They'll I'm China right now, I'm like, mm, right. no, no, to don't help, think so. Fuck with, you. To help, us, to help us with the China virus, please. Yeah. The Thank chi- you. China, the China <laughs> virus. Uh, <clears throat> now... So here you are, China, and, and if it's true that they're, they've contained the virus, they're sitting there, right. number one economy in the world already. The U.S. economy is now completely and utterly fucked up the ass. Now, yes, that has implications for China because China trades with the U.S., but China trades with everyone. And there, we've, we've seen this before. Most people don't realize that I know this story. I've seen this story before. And I'm not talking about the zombie apocalypse right. story. I'm talking about this other story. Um, so anyway, the, the, the U.S. economy is fucked. So is the economies of the rest of the Western world. A million or more Americans could die. Millions of people around the West. If you're China right now, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. If you're President Xi Jinping and he's in a circle, watching the West collapse... And you're sitting there with your communist party, your communist government. What are you thinking? Mm -hmm. What's going through your head, Ray? Oh, I think that's a very easy. It's one is I could help or what are my other options? Because I have the time to think about it and see what happens and watch things unfold. Yeah. Now, can you remember a time in relatively recent history, Ray, when the entire world's economies were fucked and there was only one country that wasn't and it had a lot of money (laughs) and it needed to trade with those other countries? Um, Right. Anything come to mind there, Ray? 
Uh, it does, and I think if I'm not mistaken, that country pretty much rewrote the fucking rules about economy, made their currency the de facto world currency, their language, the world language, and dominated it over everyone for several decades, maybe even mm. up till today. Yes, Ray. And of course, we're talking about what the United States did after the end of World War Two. Uh, right. made their, you know, changed the reserve, global reserve currency from the pound sterling to the US dollar, uh, mm-hmm. much to the chagrin of the British who fought against it and ended up having to capitulate because they couldn't do anything about it. The And because and, America was the last man standing through pure luck at the end of World War Two. Now... Mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of, if I'm China, I'm thinking about what a Chinese Marshall Plan looks like. Right. And this is, you know, and I would just follow the model laid down before us by the Americans. I would go out to the countries of the Western world that are, that are suffering because their economy's in the toilet and say, well, listen, we can bail you out, but mm-hmm. here's what we want in return. Uh, the the yuan to be the new reserve currency, Um, Mm -hmm. the support for communist parties in all of your countries. In fact, uh, if you don't have a communist party, you should set one up. Uh, We want you to hold free and fair elections where people get to vote for the communist party. We uh, are going to invest a lot of money in those communist parties uh, in, in terms of mm-hmm. marketing. And we, we want you to make sure that those communist parties control at least 50% or more of the seats in your parliament after those elections if you want to keep getting money from us. Right. Because, but you don't have to take my deal. Because <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what America did in the Marshall Plan, but reversed. <laughs> They were shut down the communist right. parties if you want our money. Shut oh, down yes. all of your oh, yes. socialist and activist groups and your communist parties if you want our cash. So if I'm China, I'm going to do the exact opposite of that. Now, don't give me this, well, China's not a communist country. They're a capitalist country. and all that. We've already examined all of that. You, It might be Doesn't right. Matter. No one knows. But yes, whatever it is, yeah. it's how yeah. do we... This is... Just after World War II, the U.S. realized, U.S. strategic planners realized this was a once in a history of a nation opportunity right. to grab the globe, you know, the the, the the ring of global dominance. Yeah. Because yeah. historically, them all. These, opp- yeah. <laughs> these opportunities don't come <laughs> up. Usually, historically, there's been a fair balance of power if you go back to the 19th right. century. A relatively, you know, yes, the, the British Empire controlled 25% of the world's land mass, so they had a little bit more power than everybody else. But, you know, there, there was a fair balance of power between the rest. When the US came along at the end of World War Two and said, OK, we now run the world, thank you very much, right. you know, they, they really got away with that for the last 70 years. Um you know, their, their dominance, their hegemony has decreased uh, in recent decades with the rise of China in particular. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, during the Cold War, you know, the Russians managed to give them a little bit of a run for their money, but not to a, to a large extent, uh, really. You right. know, they, they were still very weak comparatively, particularly economically, as we know. Um, 
so that's what I would be thinking about if I'm China right now. How do we use this yeah. as a once in a lifetime opportunity, once in a histo- history opportunity? Yeah. After the shit that China's been through, you know, we talked about this yes. on our shows, the opium yes. wars where they were def- embarrassed uh, by the British the in particular. Yes, as they call it. Yes. Um, yes. All of the bullshit that they've had to put up with since they wrested back control uh, in the early 20th century, uh, building themselves up from scratch, free of imperialist and foreign influence, right through to you know Mao's revolution, Deng Xiaoping's uh, revision of the revolution to open themselves up to a little bit more capitalism and free trading, right through to today where they're the number one economy on the planet and then the other economies in the planet collapse. This is China's time to yeah. exert their dominance. And people said to me, well, aren't you worried about China? I'm like... Yeah, not really. I mean, China, which one is worse, China or America? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see. But that's what I expect to happen. Now, what do I expect to happen in the United States? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, Trump's approval rating continues to be strong. I don't know if you've been looking at his approval ratings. You might think from all of the media coverage... Well, you know, you you, yeah. you you might think that you know it's all it's in the toilet. Uh, latest job approval rating, forty four percent. You know, his huh. average to date is forty percent, so he's above average. He's had a low of thirty five right. back in December twenty seventeen, a high of this is from Gallup by the way, a high of forty nine percent in February twenty twenty. Uh, he's dropped a bit from the 49. So he was an all-time high in February, by the way. <sighs> Go figure that. Uh, he's now a little bit less Damn. than his all-time high, but certainly above his average. So while all this is going on, Trump's approval rating, looking good. Uh, <laughs> your country, man. The Jesus fuck? Christ. Yeah, I know. So the question in my mind, is what happens if the country is in lockdown in November? Do the presidential elections go ahead? What are your thoughts, Ray? Right. Um, Well, we already know that we can't do them electronically because we don't trust outside influences. Um, Oh, my God, that could get so ugly so quick because it's easy to say that roughly 50% of the people in this country – or, you know, whatever, like Trump or, or, or okay with him, and the other 50%, the exact opposite. So are there clashes? Are there fights in the streets? Are there are, are there masses of people, you know, rioting or whatever? So if there is not, it's like, I don't think the Americans can possibly imagine there not being an election. So if for whatever reason there is not, the shit will hit the fan in whatever form, but it will be ugly and it will be violent. And, you know, you, you think about if, if you'd been part of Biden's campaign team, his campaign manager for the last couple of months, you right. think, OK, we're, we're probably going to win the Democratic primaries. Got to get our ground <clears throat> crew in place, you know, yes. big push for the next six months. We're going to be out there knocking on doors, handing out leaflets, public town hall rallies all over the place. <laughs> <clears throat> all of that fucking, right. you know, circus that is your gone. political, yeah. your, your presidential elections, all gone. None of that is going to happen. None of it 
they're relegated to yeah, they're relegated yeah. to Facebook ads, Twitter, social media, television advertising, radio advertising, which is good for the 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 media, which is going to be needing the money. Um, right. But uh, so all of that is gone. And who plays the the online game better than anyone? Trump. That's how he won in the first Trump. place. He didn't have a ground crew. He didn't have he didn't have people yeah. knocking on doors. He's like, I don't need that. I just have my Twitter feed. That's all I he need. Just, he, he just opened his mouth. And I think we said on a previous show, the reelect Trump campaign has already got a billion dollars set aside for media. So he can just ramp that up even more because he's not going to be doing all those things. And you're right. He is a master manipulator or his team is very good at what they do now. And of course, you know, a lot of that is going to be spent on highly targeted Facebook and Google advertising. Now, of course, Facebook and Google's advertising revenues are going to take a massive hit during the depression as well as businesses fail or pull back on their advertising spend. So they're going to be looking for the money yeah. too. And how carefully they're going to be looking at that, those ads. They have been saying, oh, we're going to be running all of these filters <laughs> over them. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect they're going to be going like, fuck it, let's take, the check clear? take the money. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's all I cares. Will the elections even go ahead? Now, you do have a set of laws in the United States that ensure that the election of presidential electors, senators, and U.S. representatives have to happen on the Tuesday next after the first Monday in November. That's locked down, as opposed right. to in Australia where it's a little bit loose. Our prime minister can determine when he or she wants to have the election within a certain time range. Uh, You're locked into a particular date. And that can be changed, but it can only be changed by Congress, which obviously Mm. Trump's probably going to struggle to get that delayed. If he wants to postpone the elections, the Democratic House would have to approve it. They may not. But then again, if they haven't been able to campaign effectively for the previous six months they might do that sure they might see it as being in their own best interests and let's be honest that's all they care about if they did say okay let's postpone it for a year so then you get trump for another year um right otherwise you're going to have an election in november with no traditional campaigning um and then really it's a coin toss how that comes out i think now This all could be blamed, like the depression that we're going into and the the deaths from coronavirus could be blamed on Trump and that could hurt his chances. But as I just pointed out, his approval ratings yeah. are still high, as high as they've Jesus. been throughout most of his, uh, uh, I was going to say right. reign, but uh, uh, term. <laughs> so, not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. yet. <clears throat> so there is apparently also some mechanism by which states could just get the electoral colleges to cast their votes for president without a popular vote. Because at the end of the day, as we well know, the popular vote means right. fuck all anyway. At the end of the day, it's just the electoral roll, the electoral college I mean, that, 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 count, that cast yeah. the, the votes that actually matter. So they could go, and it's right. a little bit messy. States would need to, you know, pass some exemptions and all this kind of stuff, but... That technically could happen. They go, look, just let's forget the popular vote this year. We'll just get the electoral yeah. college to, to do the vote. Oh. But if neither of those things happen and there is no election and Trump's term expires, as do all of the 
well, half of the, the Congress and uh, the, the Electoral College as well, just, you know, their, their terms expire. Right. And there's no election, then what happens? You have no president, no vice right. president, and you get into continuation of government issues. Now, my worry is that, and I've been saying this for years, when, you know, when Chrissy and I have talked about the idea of moving back to the US, I've always said, listen, the, mm-hmm. the place is a fucking tinderbox. The tensions are so yeah. high. There's so much venom. There's so much vitriol. There's so much partisanship and so many guns that it's just going to take one thing and the whole thing's going to fucking go up in flames very, very quickly. I've seen right. this happen before. This is it's just going to take the burning of the Reichstag. I mean, 9-11 was one thing. That was 20 years mm-hmm. ago. Got 20 years of it getting worse and worse since then. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. Somebody knocked on my door. No. <clears throat> Guy putting a ladder on a fucking van. <clears throat> I thought it might be new cigars, Ray, because I'm running out, Ray, and I may never get any more cigars, Ray. <laughs> me not. It's the only thing I'm really worried about. The only, the only way the lockdown affects me is cigar deliveries. Yeah. Um, Even the Chinese can send you. Anyway. Yeah. Ugh. Chinese cigars, that sounds horrible. <laughs> but hey, who knows? I'll give it a try. I'll be smoking right? rolled up toilet paper before too long. No, it's too valuable. <laughs> yeah, to smoke. I can wipe, my, I can wipe oh, okay. my ass with my hand. I can't smoke my hand. <laughs> I'm not turned on anyway. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the, the tinderbox is the problem. Now, imagine yes. the scenario, Ray, uh, talking of toilet paper. Two guys <laughs> in a Walmart in Texas are fighting over the last roll of toilet paper. One guy pulls a gun and shoots the other guy. Feasible? Yeah. Then everybody pulls their gun. Oh, yeah. Fucking A. I mean, Feasible, yeah. right? And then yes. that starts yeah. happening across the country. People start, you know... The, the panic rises to a level where people start shooting each right. other over supplies, toilets, rolls, tinned yeah. beans, bottled water, whatever it is. Now, again, keeping in mind it's already bad and you've only got a couple of thousand dead people. When you've got 100,000 or 500,000 or a million dead people from the virus, what, what's Jeez. it going to look like? There. Yeah. And you've been in yeah. lockdown for three months, four months, five months. And the economy gonna, is in the toilet yeah. and people are unemployed and people are desperate and people are running out of money and running out of food and all this kind of stuff. Uh, then what happens? Well, you know, my theory was uh, the National Guard would start to get called out to restore order. Well, guess what? Uh, mm. I said, when you and I recorded this last week, uh, our first attempt at this. I said to you, did I not, that Trump could call out the National Guard to restore order? Well, yes. what, ha- what happened on Sunday? Trump called out the National Guard in California, New York, and Washington. Jesus. Now, at this yeah. time, it's just to, quote-unquote, help with the management of coronavirus... <laughs> But he's already activated the National Guard and he's already declared, I'm a wartime president. This is a war, a different kind of war than we've ever had. 
He's already right. declared that the United States is at war and he's a wartime president. And he's already Fuck. blamed China for the virus. So, right. ipso facto, vis-a-vis, <laughs> other Latin terms that probably don't mean the right thing, <clears throat> the United States is at war with China and they've brought it to your homeland with the virus. Right. It's biological warfare. And Trump and, has declared yeah. he's a wartime president. And we're already in a cold war with them, even though it's an economic one with all the uh, the tariffs and that kind of stuff. So it's we've already been trading passive punches with each other. So the question in my mind was, can Trump declare martial law? Uh, what do you know about... To, does that have to be... A, I, I don't know anything. Does that have to be approved by Congress or the Supreme Court or a certain percentage of the states? Or is that something that he can... What is the check on him when it comes to martial law, if any? Yeah, the checks and balances on the president declaring martial law are exactly the same as the checks and balances on the president launching a nuclear weapon, which are mm -hmm. nothing. Nada. Zip. Zero. Bupkis. Who came, who came up with this? Uh, oh, our founding father. The founding tax yeah. dollars. <laughs> <clears throat> Fuck me. Now, martial law, for people who aren't familiar what it is, and by the way, it's not spelled M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L -L, as Marco Rubio seems to think because he tweeted about right. it and spelled it that way. Not once, but twice this week. And that man <laughs> could have been your president. Uh, it's Marshall as in uh, the Temple of Mars, <laughs> M-A-R-T-I-A-L, uh, military law, basically is what it means. Right. Martial law is an order imposed by government of direct military control of civilization. In this case, we're talking about the United States in response mm -hmm. to a temporary emergency such as an invasion or a major disaster, under martial law, the military would have responsibility for enforcing order, keeping the peace, and ensuring the state remains functioning. It's basically yeah. uh, a Roman dictatorship. Yeah. yeah. All Just like when they pull out the tyrant when yeah. there's an international emergency. Sorry, yep. go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. It's basically the same thing. All civil law is suspended. Mm -hmm. And the right. dictator, or in this case, the uh, commander, the military authority, <laughs> the combatant commander, uh, who's technically in control of martial law, is able to do anything he or she wants. Yeah. Um, Article 1, Section 9 of the U.S. Constitution states the privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless when in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety mm -hmm. may require it. Habeas corpus Jeez. being the right to a hearing on lawful imprisonment or the supervision of the, the judicial system by the judiciary, Thanks. right? Marshall, a fair and speedy trial. Right, yeah. but in the cases, you know, they didn't obviously consider biological warfare uh, when they were writing the Constitution and how does this apply? Right. Is this invasion? Or 
people shooting each other in Walmart over toilet paper? Is that rebellion? Or does public safety uh, kick in? Now, martial law suspends all existing laws as well as civil authority and the ordinary administration of justice. So forget your Supreme Court, forget your judges. It all comes Mm. down to the military. And it may be declared by proclamation of the president or a state governor. Through his Twitter account. Yes. Sorry. sorry, sorry. Martial law declared is all Trump has to write on Twitter. Literally, he doesn't even need to sign a fucking decree. He just needs to say it is so and it is so. Now, the, the Constitution apparently makes no specific provision for the imposition of martial law, but nearly every state has it written into their Constitution. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some limitations. So, uh, civilians can't be tried by military tribunals as long as civilian courts are still functional. But, but of course, if we're in lockdown... You can't put a yeah. civilian court together, so then it would be civilian tribunal, uh, military tribunals. Right. And uh, under the under martial law, a military commander's authority is virtually unlimited. Yeah. Now Plus I has s- got the guns. Yeah. Well, yes. Now martial law has been declared in the U.S. How many times since World War Two, Ray? Oh, um, I have no idea. I have no idea. Take a guess. Um, was there anything during the civil rights? I Just truly remind, have no idea. I'm, remind I'm, me again I'm, what your degree tw- is in. <laughs> history. What, what, um, and which, gonna, which, which, which era of history, what kind of history did you take yeah, your, uh, your yeah. major in? Uh, yeah, uh, 20th century. 20th so, century uh, um, yeah. American history? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, you, you have no idea. You don't. Even, you can't even guess. No idea. It hasn't affected <laughs> what, me. When you were so a school teacher, what, what what were you teaching? Uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> I mean, uh, history. Shit, shit. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> well, did you know how many times the U.S. had declared martial law before you looked it up? <laughs> Uh, no, no, I didn't. But I, I don't have a degree in American history, and I never taught it in schools. <clears throat> you used to, I used to start your class. Okay, kids, uh, welcome to class today. I'd like you to open up Wikipedia and just read anything, really. And um, I'll be and up if you don't like of, it, change it. I'll be up the right, front of the right. class uh, watching porn if you need anything. I'll be, I'll be in the English teacher's room hitting on the English teacher. Uh, <clears throat> Don't worry, I'm not going to fuck her for at least five years. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> I'll just be oh. jerking off quietly later in the uh, janitor's closet. While I'm crying. <laughs> Martial law has been declared nine, declared nine times since World War II. Nine. Uh, In five of those instances, it was declared Mm -hmm. to counter resistance to federal desegregation decrees in the South. Uh, Right. Yeah. Not surprised. Now, uh, according to an article in Newsweek uh, that came out recently, above top secret contingency plans already exist for what the military is supposed to do. 
if all the constitutional successes are incapacitated. Standby orders were issued more than three weeks ago to ready these plans, not just to protect Washington, but also to prepare for the possibility of some form of martial law. According Mm. to new documents and interviews with military experts, the various plans, codenamed Octagon, Free Jack and Zodiac, because you want to come up with the most terrifying names possible when you're coming up with these plans. The underground laws are to ensure government continuity. They are so secret that we're writing about them in Newsweek. That under these extraordinary plans, devolution could circumvent the normal constitutional provisions for government succession and military commanders could be placed in control of America. America had better learn who General Terence J. O'Shaughnessy is. Who is Terence O'Shaughnessy, Ray? I don't know. Is he Joint Chiefs of Staff? Is he a part of uh, don't guess, the Pentagon? Right. I've told you before. I don't when know. you say, I don't know, that's right. it. You don't need to guess. No. You're not no, going to be I, right. I... You don't need to. <laughs> this isn't, you know, pull shit out of your ass week. That was last week when I did the show. <laughs> no. No guessing, Ray. Who is Just say, no, gentleman. I'm sorry, Cameron. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I, I'm going to surprise you. Uh, I have no fucking idea. He's a general, Air Force General, O'Shaughnessy. He is Northcom's commander. Who or what uh, is Northcom, Ray? Do they control the nuclear missiles or emergency response or something? I don't know. Don't guess, Ray. Just say, I don't I like know. Guessing. I like guessing. I am a guesser. I'm not a good guesser, but I'm a happy guesser. And I'm going to keep on fucking guessing. So guess what? Deal with that. (laughs) Holy freaking shit. Northcom is the military authority that was set up after 9-11 to defend oh. America's homeland, protecting our people, national power, and freedom of action. That's nice. Now, you know the fact that, it, by the fact it's got freedom in its actual definition, you know that yeah. it's, it's legit, Ray. It's going to fuck up the freedom. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, because we're freedom-loving people. Oh, absolutely. Freedom, love, can't get right. enough of the freedom. How's your freedom going right now, Ray? Are you free to uh, go to a restaurant? I currently am not. No. I am free to walk mm. around the yard. Yeah. You you know, we believe in freedom, except when we don't want you to have freedom anymore. Um, then we take away your freedom. Oh, we've got good reasons for taking away your freedom. Just, just yeah. trust us. Good reasons. Very good reasons. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't tell you. You know, your freedom might, you know, kill some rich white people. So we can't have that, so you have to continue your freedom. Uh, On February 1st, the U.S. Defense Secretary, Mark T. Esper, signed orders directing Northcom to execute nationwide pandemic plans. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now, the World Health Organization didn't declare it a pandemic until about two weeks ago. Donald Trump didn't acknowledge it was a pandemic until two weeks ago. But the defense right. secretary ordered Northcom to execute pandemic plans on February 1st. Would he have done that without Trump's approval? 
I, do I have a hard time know. seeing that. I don't know. I have a hard time either. seeing that. Mm. Yeah. He signed uh, warning orders or Warnord, as it's called, because I saying like that. saying warning orders is way too hard. You got to that's, that's something Takes that Aussie, too long. Aussie would do. Warn, right. We just we'd abbreviate to Warno. Hey, <laughs> sign Warno. Warno? Yeah, not Warnie. He's a cricket player. Not Warnie. Shane Warns, aka Warnie. Right. Because we can't say warns, we have to call you. Warno. Warnord. Raj with porno. Right, right. Which alerted Northcom to prepare to deploy in support of extraordinary missions. So O'Shaughnessy is the combatant commander for the United States and in theory would be in charge if he needed, if, if martial law were in were imposed and he needed to take control of the country. Uh, That is until a new civilian leader could be installed. Now, Donald Trump is your commander in chief. So I would argue that if Donald Trump is dead, this guy becomes the commander. But if Donald Trump is alive, he's going to be saying, well, actually I'm the commander in chief. So I'm in control of martial law. That would be my guess. Now, there are three uh, larger contingency plans here that you might want to be familiar with. Con Plan 3400, which is the military's plan for homeland defense if America becomes a battlefield. Con Plan 3500, defense support for civil authorities, which is where the military assists in an emergency short of an armed attack on the nation. And Con Mm -hmm. Plan 3600, military operations in the national capital region and continuation of government under which the most secret plans to support continuity are nested. Damn. As I said before, Trump's already said that COVID is a Chinese virus. So I think he's gearing up to declare COVID as a bio-warfare attack on the United States by the Chinese and deploy, uh, you know, impose martial law as a result of that. Now, Mm. these three uh, units I mentioned before, the various plans, Octagon, Free Jack, and Zodiac, call upon military units in Washington, D.C., North Carolina, and Eastern Maryland to defend government operations if there's a total breakdown. There's a seventh plan, codenamed Granite Shadow. (laughs) It's the name of my penis. Go ahead which is the playbook for extraordinary domestic missions that involve weapons of mass destruction. Right. Now, oh. I don't I don't know if uh, a bio a virus, bio warfare can is classified as a WMD, I think it is. So, uh, potentially these things could be called into play if things get serious enough. Now, uh, you know, is is all of this? I told I talked Chrissy through this last night. She goes, none of that's going to happen. I said, mm-hmm. really? Why? She goes, well, just because Trump Trump doesn't want that. There'd just be more responsibility. He doesn't want responsibility. I'm like, mm, doesn't he? Though, I mean, I agreed. Like, wait, before he became president, I was like, he's not going to like this job too much to do yeah he seems to be liking it so far uh, i expected him to resign in the first month guys is fucked fuck this i'm going back to my golf <laughs> course bored right 
Yeah. I don't know if he's got the balls. I would like to think, and, and this is not based off anything, just uh, gut feeling or whatever, but um, uh, Americans can. We do have the ability to pull together just like any other people. And I think it might be something like this that might help us uh, try to see the better parts of, of other people and not just tear each other apart. So I'd like to think that as much as there is a chance for us to de-evolve and, and tear ourselves apart, which could happen because it has happened in history and there's nothing special about America, it could also bring us together or give us pause about the stupid shit that we attack each other. It could go either way. Um, the thing is, it's like the virus we, itself. We have no idea what is going to happen, and we're just winging it. Yeah, sorry, that's the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Um, look, Americans in general are good people, as are every, mm -hmm. all the peoples of the world. Right. People right. in general look after each other, uh, particularly in times of crisis. Yes, we band together. What are the what do we call the kind of people that are running America, Ray? Sociopaths, psychopaths. Thank you, Ray. Are psychopaths yeah. going to band together for the good of the people, Ray? Generally, no. But what if the military ignores or doesn't take Trump's orders? Then Who? it gets real fucking complicated. Who's running the military, Ray? Trump is. Yeah, but psychopaths generally speaking right right my if my theory in my book is correct then people in positions of leadership in the military in politics in businesses are quite often not 100 percent of the time but quite often are going to be high on the psychopath scale because that's how you rise to the top you have to be a psychopath to rise to the top you have to be prepared mm -hmm. to fuck over everyone in your path and do it while smiling to get to right. the top. Not all the time. I know lots of people, they're, you know, they're very fine people on, very fine people on both sides. Um, but <laughs> look, the, you know, I, I would expect that if I'm a psychopath, uh, like the Chinese are going to be looking at this as an opportunity to increase yeah. their wealth and power. Psychopaths in your country, trust me on this, are looking at this. I mean, they're probably, if they're over 70, they're scared but um, they've probably got access to the very best medical technology and mm -hmm. healthcare and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. and they're probably in lockdown already, but uh, they are also looking at this as an opportunity to increase their wealth and power. If yes. that includes imposing martial law, because if the result of all of this is the Republicans lose power, and the Democrats get in and undo all of the things that the Democrats, uh, the Republicans have been working towards and dismantle uh, the private health care system and bring in a public health care system and, you know, dis, you know, increase taxes and bring about uh, fairer equality uh, and all these sorts of things. That's not good for your rich white psychopath. They are going to do everything they can to stop that from happening. And if that includes in installing, imposing martial law for a period of time, I think they will do it. If they think they will come out of that mm -hmm. on top, why wouldn't they do it? And it's like climate change. It's like, yeah, I know it's bad, but fuck it. The future can deal with it. I'm not going to. It's that kind of same kicking the can down. You know, this is good for me right now, even though it's bad overall. Fuck it. I'm worried about me. Well, we'll see. 
I mean, look, yes, I know this is an extreme scenario. And as I said at the beginning of this two hours ago, I don't want to be adding to the catastrophism and the fear mongering. But these are all very, uh, I mean, it's not just me. Like, as I said before, these orders have been issued, if Newsweek is to be believed. The defense secretary has started the process in place, just in case. Because, again... You know, historically speaking, when's the best time to attack a country when a country is weak? America is weak right now. If you're a foreign power and you were thinking about invading the United States, now's a great time to do it if you're not also weak. And China's not. So maybe China is thinking about launching a conventional attack. Who knows? Mm. Now, now would be a really good time to do it when everyone's distracted. And that's probably what the defense secretary is thinking about. These things, like, these are major inflection points in human history. Uh, You know, 9-11 was one of these. And as I said at the beginning, the world changed forever after 9-11. And it's going to change forever as a result of this too. We don't know exactly how yet. But trust me, 10 years from now, if we're still alive, we'll be going, fuck, that was the turning point. Right. I want to finish with this. Is this the end of capitalism? Or just yet another example of how flawed it is. Another example of its inherent weaknesses that it, despite all of the fucking money known to Crassus, it failed. Right. Uh, Crassus and Croesus, it failed to mm-hmm. prepare for this and to protect us from something that we knew was coming. It's like, oh, how could we have known that somebody was going to fly planes into buildings apart from the fact that we knew that terrorists were training people to fly planes into buildings? How could we have seen that coming? Uh, Come on. How could we have known that a massive pandemic would come except for the fact that a pandemic hit us 10, 11 years ago and Bill Gates has been saying for the last five years that we weren't ready for the next one and it was going to come. But apart from that... How could we have possibly prepared for this? Oh, come on. What do you want from us, people? Yeah. Crystal ball? Yeah. This isn't an alien invasion, people. This is something that has happened before and we knew would happen again. Right. Uh, the, the, the most successful capitalist country in history has just fallen over like a drunk one-legged man at an ass-kicking party. <laughs> And the problem, now some people go, well, yeah, look, we we got through the GFC relatively okay. We'll do that again, but no. It ain't going to be like the GFC. And the GFC was bad enough. Like it ruined your life and my life and many other people's lives. Yes. Yes. This is going to be worse. And I'll tell you why. For people who don't follow economics, only because, you know, I've been doing this thing with Tony for the last year. Am I a little bit more aware of how all this works? The global financial crisis of 2008 never really ended. We didn't get out of it. The Mm -hmm. US economy and therefore the global economy has been artificially propped up for the last 11 or 12 years, predominantly by the US, but also by other governments around the world, partially Mm -hmm. by cutting interest rates. Now, you, you hopefully are aware that interest rates have been continually slashed over the last 10 years. To the point where the bank rate, the cash rate, as it's sometimes known in the United States, is now somewhere between zero and 0.25%, which is historically low, unfathomable in previous times. 
The bank rate is the rate that banks loan money to each other, or they get loans from the Federal Reserve or in Australia, the Reserve Bank, uh, to move money around, you know, when, there's a, when they need to get money um, to loan out to other people, but also to move money between banks. 0.25%, mm-hmm. it just got dropped to 0.25% in Australia as well. Now, what happens, traditionally, this is one of the tools that central banks have to boost lagging economies when economies are not doing too well they reduce interest rates because that makes money cheaper um, for banks and the theory is that banks will then take that money and loan it out at a profit to businesses and individuals which will then make its way into the economy people will spend that the economy will go up Um, that's the only reason to reduce interest rates now the evidence that our economies have not been doing very well despite the uh, you know our politicians saying they're doing great Mm -hmm. one of the evidential factors is the fact that they keep cutting interest rates so if the economy is doing so great why are you cutting interest rates oh don't don't look over there don't look over there look over here don't look over there look over here Another right. indicator that Tony and I were talking about a year ago on our show when we had some leading um, sort of economists in Australia talking about this is that our unemployment rates were extraordinarily high. And as they have been in the United States, even though our governments were reporting low unemployment, they were actually diddling the books, diddling the numbers, because mm. they're looking at the gig economy, people driving Uber and saying those people are employed when in fact they're right. not. They're, they're what was usually termed as underemployed, partially employed. Mm-hmm. They were rolling those numbers up into the overall employed number, keeping them out of the right. unemployed number when technically they're half, only half employed. And of course, all of those people are going to be completely fucked now because no one's going anywhere in an Uber. Exactly. All of those people are fucked. Uber is fucked, by the way, uh, as well, which is going to be interesting to see how that plays out as people stop catching Ubers. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so uh, uh, b- the governments around the world, the central banks, uh, have been cutting interest rates, cutting interest rates, cutting interest rates, and it hasn't worked, hasn't boosted right. the economy. So they turn to QE quantitative easing which we talked about briefly on our china series but i want to i just want to remind people what this is because you're going to hear a lot more about it quantitative easing was a term that barry and stan came up with um because it basically just means printing money and they thought well we can't go around saying we're just printing money that people will ask too many questions if you say what you mean you can do that well give me some (laughs) wow no we we can't just do. We can't no. just give it to you. Uh, Irresponsible. Yeah, we, we we have to give it only to certain people. We we can't. We, if we could just give it to you, well, why can't you give it to me? Where does it say in the constitution that you can't give it to me? Well, it, it doesn't. But uh, you but know, we're not we, going to. We're just printing money uh, now. Right. Tip, typically, oh, so this started happening in the Bank of Japan in the late nineties, I think, and and Obama started doing it. Uh, after the GFC. So what happens is when the other tools in the economic toolkit, like reducing interest rates, don't work to boost the economy. Uh, Because what happened, by the way, is they were making all this money, the the central banks were making all this, 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 this money cheap for the banks to get. The banks said, thanks very much. And they took it and then they sat right. on it and just kept it and go, well, that, we, we, no, we, we have lots of money now. Thanks. That's cool. Right. If, if we ever need right. it, we've got it. And they go, no, no, you're supposed to loan it out. Ah, uh, nah. No, nah, I don't think we'll just no. sit on it. 
and they couldn't compel yeah. them to loan it out. Uh, and you know, banks would buy back if they were publicly listed. They bought back their own interest, uh, their own stocks. By the way, they did a stock buyback, right. which boosted their stock price, which increased the bonuses of their CEOs, and and they were happy. So they made themselves rich by taking the cheap money from the central banks. And go, Jeez. look at look at me, look at what a legend I am. My stock price has gone up. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the so what the Fed over in the US started doing is they started printing money through quantitative easing. Uh, mm. Now, basically, that just means literally printing money, and then they do two things with this money: they buy treasuries, government bonds. And we talked about how bonds work in the China series, but the quick review of that is one of the ways the governments come up with money to pay for shit. They, they have two ways of coming up with money. They have taxes and then mm-hmm. they have bonds. And a bond is basically uh, an IOU. Okay, um, I'm going to sell you this piece of paper for a dollar and then mm-hmm. I'll buy buy it back off you 10 years for now for a dollar 30 uh, it's, right. it's more like a dollar three uh, so you, you make three uh, percent mm-hmm. or three percent a year I think it is actually so you'd make uh, 10 times three which is 30 right so a dollar 30 right yeah so uh, and, and they're, they're considered to be fairly secure uh, ways of getting a low but uh, stable return on your money mm-hmm. by a government bond governments usually are good for their money unless they go fuck you we're not paying our debts which happens from time to time uh so the right. banks uh, so sorry yeah that's what the banks were doing too with the uh low interest rate monies they were getting when they dropped the interest rates. they were going buying u.s treasuries they're going mm. well i can get the money for 0.25 percent interest i can get a treasury bond for say two or three percent that's a profit Low risk yeah. profit. I can just sit on that. I'm going to make money, you know. And if if I invest a hundred billion dollars and I get thirty billion dollars back interest Not over bad. ten years, yeah, easy thirty billion. Thank you very much, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, less than point two five percent, but you know, you know what I mean. A couple right. of billion in yeah. interest, and I'm making twenty eight billion. I'm good. So what what QE was doing is the central banks were printing money. And then using it to, A, go buy these treasuries, these government bonds, Mm -hmm. to stop the banks from doing it. Because if I go and buy all the treasury bonds that are available at, let's say, 2%, then the government will drop the interest rate on the next set of bonds that they put out. Because if I can, if if I can, uh, you know, as a government, you want to pay, as anyone does, you want to pay the lowest amount of interest possible on the money that you're borrowing, and a bond is basically the government borrowing money from businesses and people. So you want to pay the lowest interest rate possible. So they go, well, I I can, you know, I know that I can sell them all at two percent, so I'll drop them down to one and a half percent or one percent. The idea being the lower the interest rates are on the bonds, the less incentive for the banks to put that free, uh, that cheap money into bonds and maybe they will go and invest it in fucking businesses like they were supposed to in the first place right. to boost the economy. <laughs> right. Right? 
So mm-hmm. that's one thing that the central banks do. The other thing that they do with this money that they print is they go and buy the bad debts off the banks that they're already sitting on. So we got a bunch oh. of businesses and people that took out loans. We, you know, particularly this was a big thing after the global financial crisis with all the toxic housing loans, right? Okay, well, mm-hmm. we will buy all of those off you. So get them off your balance sheet, so you don't have to worry about the fact that you lost all this money. Now we just bought it off you. You, you got it all back. Right. Congratulations. Yeah, you yeah. fucked up, but we just wiped the slate <laughs> clean for you. Congratulations, right. motherfuckers. Now you're in a stronger economic position go spend all that free money that we've just given you go go and loan it out to people so they will uh you know go Mm -hmm. invest it back into the economy so that's so i think uh the the u.s uh printed four trillion dollars god of of money after the gfc gave it to the gave it in various ways to the banks what do the banks do with it? They they are still sitting on two point seven trillion of it. Jesus, they bought some stock, or they're—I mean, they bought back some of their own stock, or they're sitting on it. Yeah. Jeez. Now the low interest rates. Some of that got passed on, though. Enough of that got passed on to to create a bull economy, which is why the stock market kept going up until a couple of months ago. You know, a month ago, uh, yeah, five weeks ago, we had the record highs on all of the indexes mm-hmm. around the world. Now we're at record lows. Uh, uh, what a difference a, a month makes. But a lot of that was right. because there was all this free money out there and people were taking out loans and all of these startups were building their businesses on cheap loans. Um, but the economy, the reason we were doing QE and dropping interest rates in the per- first place before coronavirus was our economies mm-hmm. were secretly rotten to the core and governments were trying to prop them up with all of these fancy uh, central bank techniques that Barry right. and Stan had to rebrand, otherwise people might get wise to what was going on. Uh, the problem, the reason I point all of this out is none of that worked. Our economies were already fucked before the coronavirus hit. Right. And we can't drop interest rates now to prop up the economy because the interest rates are already at zero and you can't make them negative. No. I've tried that with my checking account. We will start paying you money to take our money. That doesn't work. (laughs) Right. And, I mean, so, you know, where did Trump come up with a trillion dollars all of a sudden? For his bailout package, oh, we'll just print another trillion dollars. No biggie. Now, now of course, printing Mm -hmm. money—the reason we don't want to print money—is because it typically leads to inflation. The more money that's circulating out there, the value of goods goes up. As I, well, the price of goods goes up. As I explained, I think in our China series, it's like if you live in a little town of a hundred people. And you all go to buy your cigars on a on a Monday morning to get you through the week, and the cigars are going for five bucks a pop. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's a limited number of cigars. Okay, that can the the, the town gets brought in. It's like toilet right. paper. They only bring in. There's only a hundred cigars, so each of you guys gets one cigar. You know, uh, and then all of a sudden, somebody prints a whole bunch of money and gives it to one guy in town, and he goes, "Well, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll pay you ten dollars a cigar." 
and he just buys right. them all up. So the price of the cigars goes up because all of a sudden there's more money out there and it's not ev- evenly distributed. And so the price right. goes up. So that's why we don't print money. But of course, that hasn't really worked because the money hasn't been circulated. So anyway, we can continue to just fucking... And now Australia has for the first time announced that we're going to start printing money as well to try and boost our economy. Well, we'll just invent it. We'll just make it up. This is what happened when we got off the gold standard, by the way, and we moved to a fiat currency. You used to be that you couldn't print any more money than you had sitting in gold in places like Fort Knox. Nixon killed the gold standard. And since then, the economy's boomed, partially because we can just print money whenever the fuck we like and just do whatever we want with it. Jeez. But... So it's going to be very tough to recover from this because all of these tools that central bankers and governments have had to respond to depressions in the past, we don't have anymore. We're out of we're out of tricks. The only trick right. we've got left is Keynesianism, military Keynesianism. Oh, we need to go to war. Let's ramp up our wartime economy. Right print trillions of dollars and spend it on getting people to make guns and bombs and go to war. That is the only tool left. And we'll see if that is considered an option. By the way, just to finish off, reaching close to the two and a half hour mark and I haven't stopped talking, I want to compare the response to this to the response to climate change. So for the last 10 years, we've been going, we need to do something about climate change because in 20 or 30 years, it's going to affect the lives of hundreds of millions of people. And the response (laughs) of governments has been, oh, no, we can't do anything about that. It might affect the economy. You can't do anything about dealing with these big issues if it affects the economy. The economy comes first. Don't you understand, you fucking socialist twats? The economy, (laughs) we need to protect the economy. Besides, there's a fringe signer somewhere who says it might not be true. So we should listen to him and take our time. What's the hurry? Uh, We can't do anything if it would affect the economy. Then something comes along that might affect the rich white people that affect the that run the economy, and they're like, "Fuck the economy up, the motherfucking <laughs> ass with no lube." Old white people might die. Fuck waiting for the science. Do something right. now. Stop everything. Literally, stop <laughs> yeah. everything. Shut down everything. Close down everything. We don't care. What it does to the economy. Fuck the fucking economy. I might die. (laughs) Why, Ray? Didn't we start coming up with trillion dollar packages to work on climate change a year ago? If it's that easy to all of a sudden pull trillions of dollars out of our fucking asses to (laughs) deal with emergencies... Why weren't we doing that a year ago? Yeah. We've just, in in two weeks, the whole yeah. justification for doing nothing about climate change has been exposed as a bunch of fucking bullshit. And that, my friends, is the <laughs> bullshit filter. Oh, I'm a pansy. I am fucking exhausted. Because <laughs> you're that good. Because you're that good. Hey, just one last thing, because I know you're going to go on. Common sense is not sexy. 
it's the Wild West. Damn, I'm in the wrong country.